I'm ready when y'all are, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. So, there I am, and the bartender comes over, and he hands me a drink, and I say, what is this? And he goes, it's a Shirley Temple. And I say, hey, don't call me Shirley. Stop talking to me like we're in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> we just started the episode. I hate when you do that. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> Welcome to the Up and Under. Uh, this is Grant Hagenger with Connor Byrne. We've got a special guest this week as well. Um, Francis is out once again, um, really making a case for just not being on the show permanently. But this week, his replacement is Will McIntyre, former uh, guest on our, our pod before. Glad to have you back, Will. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm I'm so excited to come back on here and gloat about my Lamella ball takes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You uh you really hit that on the nose. I, I thought you were being a little a little uh, ridiculous last time, but you were you were right. Yeah, I definitely can see why people would think that. And he played professionally since he was like 15. So yeah. I just had a I had that feeling, and thank God he proved me right because it definitely could have been could definitely could have been wrong. I just want to point out or one thing. Well, you just said you're really excited to be on the uh, on the show today. But last time we asked you, you said no. So I mean, it just sounds. I like got hit with that. Okay, I got hit with the second round of Rona, especially hard. I would just like to point out that Pfizer's second shot kicks you in the ass for sure. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Um, it, it, I, the two days after I took that shot, I felt like I was simultaneously a zombie and got hit by a bus. So it was just like, it, it was wild the amount of. Uh, aches and pains I had in my body. So it wasn't as much me not wanting to be on the pod as me trying to recover from near death. Near death. <laughs> <laughs> a bit drastic. It's a it's a bad uh, a bad thing to hear if someone's still on the fence about getting their shot yeah. or not. Although I don't think anyone's left in this in this category. Right. Of, I mean, if you either going to get it or not. thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Connor, how, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm okay. What's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, I actually just started uh, just started playing in a in a church league basketball, uh, church league basketball league. Yeah, um, isn't that a bit sacrilegious for you to be in that league? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the the court does get noticeably hotter as soon as I step on it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was just sin. Yeah, um, but it's actually it's actually like the core of the team. And the guy who asked me, they're UN, former UNC Asheville players. So they were, um, first of all, I mean, they were really good. Like, the guy who asked me, I played pickup with him in once and, like, knew he was a shooter, knew he was really good. But then, like, we had our first game last week, and he's, like, even way better than I thought he was. Like, he scored in so many beautiful ways. It was pretty masterful to see. Um, but they're for, former teammates of Macy Oteague, so uh, they had that connection. Macy Oteague from Baylor, who won the national championship this year. This is an Macy intense Oteague? church league. Yeah, this is an intense yeah, guys church league. These guys are good. Um, so, yeah, I'm just playing a role in this team. But anyways. How many minutes are you <laughs> getting on this role. team? Uh, we didn't have that many people last time. We had seven, but, like, t- one of them was coming off a torn Achilles, like, that he tore his Achilles about a year and a half ago. So he barely played. And then another guy didn't play a lot either. So I was playing, like, the entire time. I was all gassed. How, apparently how, very out of shape. How old is he, this guy who tore his Achilles? He's he's my age. Oh, the guy who tore his Achilles? Yeah. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how old he is. Probably a couple years older than me. I mean, older than you. So like, at what point, if you have a torn Achilles and you're an adult, do you keep, like, you used to be like, oh, I got to stop playing basketball. It's that time my know. life is over. It's it's hard to, when you're so young, it's hard to give up on, on like, something that you I know, but like late that. 30s? Like, so, I don't know, man. I, I think our our playing days of pickup could be over sooner than we thought. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, any of us were like, by 30, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I mean, that's like, I, I was literally talking to my mom about this because my back has been acting up when I've been playing basketball the past few times. And like, I, I mean, I felt good like after surgery. I felt good since since then, and like only only times it's really started like getting worse is playing basketball. And she was like, maybe you're just gonna have to like not play basketball. And I was like, but I can't really do that. Like I can't. Like I'm 25 year old and I don't want to just not play basketball for the rest <laughs> of my life. Like, that sounds awful. Yeah, I'm worried about what I try what I start doing for cardio if I can't play basketball. I don't think yeah. I'll, I don't know if I'll do anything. Yeah, probably nothing. <laughs> Uh, All right, um, you want to you get into some finals talk here? Yeah, let's get into finals talk. So we're recording this Saturday, July 10th. It's the morning time, so uh, Ashley Barty is hopefully on her way to winning her second Grand Slam title. Um, 
and we're right now in the series. The Suns are up 2-0 after winning the two home games, and that's where we're at. I guess, Will, what, have, what are your thoughts so far in the first couple of games? Well, it does nothing to say it here because I said it to my brother behind closed doors, but I thought the Suns were going to win the finals after they beat the Lakers because it feels like a team that everything is coming together at the right time, mm-hmm. and they don't have they don't have any holes. Like, you look over at the Bucks and not to get too broad, but... Giannis is a player where when when the game slows down into the half court and there's not as much transition scoring and it's scoring out of sets and you need to be able to have skill to either manipulate a defense or to create your own shot. He's not really that guy. And well, he did just get 20 points in a quarter last game and that was pretty much in the half court offense. He labored through that and they still lost though. He labored through it as a way like he was tired on his way to shooting free throws when he got ahead woods or something. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's a two-time MVP. I'm not saying he doesn't have the skill to do it. What I'm saying is He's not that's that not his specific at that moment. Yeah, like that's, that's in the end of games, you don't put the ball in Giannis's hands down two and be like, create yeah. for us. Or if you do, it doesn't normally turn out well. And Drew Holiday has been hit or miss, definitely still a great player. Chris Middleton's been kind of the same. So, I mean, this just felt like a year where Chris Paul riddled with injuries his whole career, stays relatively healthy the entire playoff run, and I'm not going to lie, the majority of teams in his way are injured. The, the 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 Lakers injured. The Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray. And a and a Porter Jr. with a bad back. Yeah. And so it, it's the Clippers didn't have Kawhi. Like it's 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 I'm not gonna lie, this playoffs has been a playoffs where it's kind of been a battle of attrition and the healthiest team standing is gonna be the best team. And I think that I think that I'm okay saying the Suns are both. They're the healthiest team and I also think that they don't really have any holes. Like they have a big three. They have good supporting role players. They have a good coach. Um, their main their main star is not a star that's literally like a big man. Like Giannis just being a big man is is tough for how that team plays in crunch time. So I'm not surprised. I am not willing to say it's going to be a sweep. Uh, oh, how bold of you! <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, I mean, think. I mean, they've won two games on the road, and they've won with Giannis scoring forty in one of those games. So it feels like they're taking Milwaukee's better punches and kind of just absorbing yeah, them. Right. They they won Wait, two Phoenix, games. At Phoenix home. won two games on, at home. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> I would say I would say they <laughs> win in five. I, I, I I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm very very high on the Suns. I, I still got. Uh, give me Bucks and seven. This is like the Nets series all over again. You're still going with the Bucks. Yeah, okay. yeah give me the Bucks. You are going to ride that ship literally like the Titanic. Here, here's my thing on this. I, have, my whole life, have been a huge Chris Paul supporter. But when he did that flop against DeMarcus Cousins, <laughs> and Boogie got a technical foul, and just everything that DeMarcus Cousins has been through over these past few years, I thought that was such a low blow that I'm off the wagon now, and I'm going bust. I cannot believe, of all the things he does, that's that's what turned <laughs> that, against him. That, that was really like I can't I can't support a man like this who do, who would do something like this to Marcus Cousins, who's who's made, who's playing so hard, he's gone through so much, just trying to win a title, and the guy does something <laughs> like that. You know, I didn't know you had such a soft spot for Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> I like it. He he's, has been. He's got a great story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got screwed out of. He's had multiple injuries literally in contract years. Like, I don't think yeah. he's ever got that big contract. Yeah, he's the big man Isaiah Thomas of the league. Do you, mean, been... do you mean Celtics Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, Celtics Isaiah Thomas. No, it's just like hor- yeah. horribly timed stuff where he just doesn't get his paid, paid what he probably has should have yeah. over his career. It, well, here's the other reason why I think Bucks can still win this series is uh, Chris and Drew have just been bad, just straight up bad offensively. Uh, Drew's defense yeah. has been incredible. But his offensively, just can't buy a bucket. Chris uh, has been a bit better in that regard, but still isn't shooting that well. So, even though the Suns won last game, if the, either of those guys has an average offensive game, the Bucks are right there at the end. So, uh, that's why I still got I give me Bucks in seven. Um, I mean, I, I hear both of your points. I I think I I agree with Will more. I. I totally agree that the Suns, like, even though they, they haven't had the best injury luck necessarily, because, like, Devin Booker broke his nose, Chris Paul has, you know, had COVID and had the shoulder injury, they've still been, like, the healthiest team in this playoffs. So it just seems like things have kind of been working out for them um, in a way. And and that's not even to take credit away from them, because they actually are, are very good. I'm not sure 
they're the best team in the league necessarily, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve to win this championship right now. Yeah. And then the fact that they have no holes, like I totally agree. Like they've been the best defense all year. I'm um, not all year, all playoffs. Um, they've been incredible defensively. Like just the rotations, just the, the fact that you can't attack anyone. Like it's like even when they have, you know, Cameron Payne on the floor or, or Cam Johnson, either of those guys, you think those would be guys that you could attack, you could kind of just hunt. I was actually looking at defensive ratings today. Those guys are both top 10 in defensive rating in the playoffs this, this year, which I don't know, put as much stock into that as you want to. But that just means when those guys are on the floor, like they're still holding up very well defensively. Um, so there's no one you can attack defensively. They have kind of everything you need offensively. And, and you know, obviously Chris Paul, the orchestrator, DeAndre, and the do everything big man who, like, unlike, I mean, it's been, you know, harped on a lot, but like, unlike Rudy Gobert, if you try to go small against him, he's going to take advantage of that. Um, and then Devin Booker is just, just the sc- scoring wing who just need a bucket. Go give it to him, and he'll, he'll get you timely buckets. Um, which he absolutely did in the, in the Bucks in, in the game two of this this series. Well, they, um, they haven't faced a great offensive guard yet all playoffs, so that could have been there could have been a weakness for them. We just haven't they haven't haven't had to go up against that yet. Well, the that's, first that's round very hypothetical, Le, but but like first round, LeBron is a, is getting guarded by the is being guarded by the forwards. Second round yeah. was versus the Nuggets. Nuggets literally didn't have any guards out there. Uh, Next round was the Clippers. Reggie Jackson has been great this playoffs, but like, he's not a, he's not a lead uh, guard. And then this series, the Bucks is Drew, who hasn't been doing that well. So, so I mean, who who do you think would like if they played Damian Lillard? You don't think they lost that they lose? No, the I, no, 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 no I think they would have like won. That. I'm just saying, like, if they had a weakness, it'd probably be a team that had all that had a top notch offensive guard that uh, could have been a weakness of theirs, but they just haven't. Okay, so I guess U- Utah would have been. Um, like Utah would have been tougher butt. for them. I mean, it would have been interesting to see what Trey Young would have done against them. Even though I don't, I think the Suns would have won that series, but it would have been interesting to see yep. what Trey would have done to them. Well, Semi off topic, but if that if Utah is healthy, like fully healthy, I guess you have to play that game with every team. I was gonna say I think they could, I think they beat the Clippers because you remember Donovan Mitchell hurt his ankle yeah. and then re hurt his ankle in I think it was Game Two when him and Paul George like incidentally or inadvertently collided. And he was, I mean, he's their team. And, he's literally and Conley team. was hurt, too. True. So. I mean, but so, yeah. you could also play that game and say Kawhi was hurt that yes, entire exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, Kawhi like, if Kawhi's healthy, the Clippers won that series. So, yeah. But uh, the going back to the Suns, I mean, the Suns, in game two, like the Bucks, obviously Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday weren't their best offensively here at all. Giannis was incredible. And the Bucks were just giving it, like giving them everything they had down the stretch. Like, the Suns took every blow the Bucks had. And just had an answer for it. Like it, they pulled it to within seven, like so many times, and then and then Devin Booker, which hit, or Chris Paul, would hit a timely three. Um, so they took every punch. Like that's for a team this young. I mean, this is we're gonna talk about Chris Paul, but like this is the kind of the impact that Chris Paul has had in m- maturing this team so fast. Um, I mean, like DeAndre Aiden has talked about how, how much he's been on him in practice, and I, I was you know before the season thought Chris Paul would have a great effect on DeAndre Aiden. It didn't really work out like that in the regular season. Like DeAndre Ayton's stats were down, but we're now seeing that effect. It's kind of been taking just a, a slower burn, um, a buildup of this over the full, full course of the year. Um, and DeAndre Ayton is is come like fully blossomed in these playoffs. And I think Chris Paul deserves a lot of credit for that. He just deserves, deserves a lot of credit along with Monty Williams for maturing this really young team and kind of actually taking them to the next step and just like molding their talent into the best versions of themselves. With this, which is what Chris Paul has always kind of done. He's taken what he has and made it into the best version of itself, right? Um, so we're going to talk about Chris Paul more, but, I mean, it's just been really impressive. <laughs> There's one thing, though, that I was annoyed about. I think probably this is also probably going to lead to our next little topic here. But there was a game against um, the Clippers where Booker and Chris Paul shot combined below 30%, and they had, like, more turnovers than they had assists. And the two people that get interviewed post game are them two, while Aiden has a twenty twenty game, who's shooting seventy percent for the fielder. No one taught, no one interviews him post game. I mean, at what point can we just like DeAndre Aiden get credit on his own for just being good? I I think DeAndre Aiden's getting a lot of credit. I don't know. He's getting a lot of credit, but a lot of it's just like, oh wow, look what these people turned him into. So why doesn't why doesn't it just Aiden turn himself right? Into but it's this? it's it's also credit. Like it's it's all people people are giving him credit for taking that advice and being completely coachable from Chris Paul and like wanting to improve. Like, I think people are shocked by how much he's improved in the past, like, a few months. Like, 
he was he seemed early in his career kind of like not aggressive lackadaisical a little bit um and now he's just fully locked in and like i think it's appropriate to give chris paul a lot of that credit but it's also i don't i don't think deandre isn't being recognized for accepting that help and also just improving like doing it on his own as yeah well. i know but how about but look how you're even framing that like oh yeah he deserves credit for accepting help it's like I what know, are we talking about it. here <laughs> every that's, player I mean, that's, is, every player has used help to get to where they are today right i know like that's 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 the thing like it's that's how that's how young players develop is they learn from the older players like this is what he's supposed to do there's no like there's no carve it out on his own path especially for a big man who is reliant on people creating plays for him a good amount of the time. Like, he's not... All right, well, how about, how about the other side? Here's, here's the other side of the him. coin. Here's the other side of the coin. Uh, like, DeAndre A is the only person who can even catch those lobs and finish those lobs, so he's the one actually creating assist looks for these guards. What about that? Huh? Yeah, sure. Give the man some credit. I will. This is... Le- I'm getting into... I'm steamrolling into my opinion here of that DeAndre Aiden has been their most important player this playoffs without debate and I think he's been their best player which is actually debatable but I don't think the most important part is debatable if you're going by best player I would probably say no because I think that like you I think Chris Paul I hate to bring it back to putting DeAndre in success onto Chris Paul because I totally get that take about I think there was like a there was like a Stephen A. Smith segment where it was a game Chris Paul hadn't played, and their post game talking segment was like Chris Paul's presence off the court won these guys the game. And it's like, bro, he didn't play. Like he wasn't in the game. Like how are you talking about Chris Paul? So I get that, but he is also it's very much like the LeBron effect where you're an orchestrator for your team, and so DeAndre Ayton it's simply he wouldn't be in the positions to be as successful as he is without Chris Paul. Not to say that he can't cash in on those uh, opportunities, but I just, I hesitate to say he's the most important player. He's also a big, like we've seen how important perimeter play is and guards are in the NBA and how they control a tempo. I mean, we haven't seen a big man control. I guess Giannis kind of sort of, but I mean, we see how that's kind of working out. Uh, Oh yeah. What big in NBA finals? I, I'm not faulting him. I'm saying that he can't win a championship that way, which he hasn't, and I don't think he will. But yeah, unless he develops literally a 13-point jump shot. I'm not a hater. I'm a truther. I, I literally give him credit. He's a two-time MVP. Uh, but I would say CP3 is probably the most important. If you're saying best, I mean, statistically, isn't he shooting like over 80% yeah, this he year? Also, it's ridiculous. He leads, or for the playoffs. He leads the, in the entire NBA playoffs in win shares. That's cherry picking. Chris Paul has played less games than him, and they won Chris those Paul. games. That's a point against Chris Paul. They won the games that Chris Paul sat <laughs> Chris out. Chris Paul's on. John, DeAndre Aiden is his on-off numbers are negative seven. Chris Paul's are plus three. So I mean, like, if, if you want to like just pick one advanced stat, like we can we can go back and forth here. But um, can I can I throw you guys an analogy for maybe the best player versus the most important? Because I see a parallel between CB three and whether or not you want to put DeAndre Aiden or Devin Booker in that mix, uh, and LeBron in AD, where LeBron was an orchestrator and was definitely the most important player to the success of that team in the bubble last year. But you could definitely argue AD was the best player in that series. He was the most unstoppable. Um, he was so consistent. He got easy buckets. De- DeAndre Aiden literally will jump hook you to death. And he, he gets 20 and 15, like, routinely in his sleep. So I can absolutely see your point about about best player right now, but I just don't think he would be in those types of opportunities without CP3. As much as I hate to bring it back to yeah. CP3 and put everything on him. I mean, look again. Like I'm, I'm not trying to put down DeAndre because I think he's been like exceptional in these playoffs and is like talked about right now as like a top thirty player in the league, and he kind of deserves that talk. Um, he's gonna get the bag, but. Even even just taking out the whole whether Chris Paul turned him into this or not thing, even if we're just talking about how important they are in a vacuum individually, like if you replace Chris Paul with let's say Ricky Rubio, who they had before Chris Paul, are they anywhere near the finals? Are they anywhere near no. the finals if you take if you replace if you take, uh, DeAndre Ayton with Tristan Thompson? No, they're not. Are they? They might be somewhere no. close to the finals. No, that. 
I don't like, even know what that means. Who, who, has, who has a better chance? They, definitely, better would chance? Have, they definitely would have lost the Clippers. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, I think definitely would have lost Thompson. the Lakers, too. Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Who has a better chance of making fights? Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Tristan Thompson. Who I don't even know that's a an apt comparison with Ricky Rubio, but or Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Aiden. Okay, you, uh, we've already said that the, the uh, Suns have been winning games when Chris Paul has sat out. So, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't answer the question. Who has a better chance to make the finals? Who do you the, what, the team with DeAndre Aiden has a better chance on this Suns okay. roster. Okay. I just, I mean, you can think about, obviously, these teams are way worse. But, like, think about a big man like Cat. Cat's been on Minnesota for, I don't know how many years, five, six years? And he's been statistically blowing it up. Dominated offensively, but he's big terrible man. defensively. He's not. I mean, he, he's he's not absolutely pitiful defensively, and DeAndre Ayton is not like just an absolute stud of a defender. So I just I think that this gets back at the point that like perimeter play and guards are inherently because of the the, the task they're asked to do going to be more important to a team's success. Um, they control the off like. They control the offense. Uh, DeAndre doesn't always isn't always in control of how often he gets the ball, and that while that that isn't necessarily reflective of is he good enough right. to do things but he with is, those opportunities. He is directly in control of how often they have the ball. Oh, how you like that? Is, oh, you didn't see that how one. How often they have the ball? Because he's getting all the rebounds. What do you mean? How is he? He? I mean. Oh, like, rebounds are not a lot. Rebounds are the most overrated stat in basketball. Like, bro, you can you can jump high to get a rebound. Like, okay, <laughs> offensive rebounds are important. The rebounding has been very important. But here's here's the bottom line: eighty three point three percent of his field goals have been assisted in the playoffs. Like, it's a good stat. He's just he's if he's not creating his own shots. I'm not saying DeAndre Aiden isn't excellent at what he does and is a very very good player. I'm just saying he's not creating his own shots as a big man and and what he is, he cannot be more important than Chris Paul who is also better than him because he is one of the top three point guards of all time, playing top almost three. the best basketball of his life. And DeAndre Ayton is, is a 22-year-old guy coming into his own and, and like That's turning into a star, but is not better than Chris Paul and is not definitely not more, import, more important He's than Chris He's definitely Paul. more important. You're, if you take DeAndre Ayton out, the Phoenix Suns' bigs are Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky. That is... Okay, well, that, if we're talking about who the can, backups are, like, like that's not. Yeah, that's what most important means. That's the difference between okay, most important. Okay, you see, and like, best. Who, like, who are they replacing? If we're if we're just taking DeAndre Aiden out and replacing him with their bad bigs, like, sure, I get that. And like, if you take Chris Paul out and replace him with campaign, that's like a better backup. But that doesn't mean that like either one of them would have resulted in a finals berth. So. Yeah, if you take out, if we're going from the beginning of the season. And you have to play regular season, get playoff seating, and they don't have Chris Paul. I literally no, no, think no. We're, we're just talking team. playoffs. I'm not, I'm not talking regular season at all. I mean, okay. If you get to the playoffs and you took Chris Paul out, that team doesn't. I don't know if they win a series with DeAndre and Devin Book. They have so much individual talent, but you 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 don't score just by having talent in the playoffs. You need to be able to to run an offense and or have somebody who can control the game and get players in positions to to take good shots to have good opportunities to score i, I think probably though it's not the i think probably the correct answer to this take this whole debate is actually the phoenix suns are in the nba finals because their corner three shooters are hitting shots more often than their team's corner three shooters are that's that's the end of it yeah <laughs> going, going back to the note the suns have no holes dude what is what is pj tucker shooting on threes because if he's not hitting threes like what is his he's done value Dude, exactly. Like, he's a good. Def- he was a he was a defender that was. I don't want to say he was good on KD because KD dropped like a thousand points on him. But he's a rough defender who can definitely be physical. But it doesn't really. He can't keep up with Devin Booker. Um, yeah. He and he doesn't really provide them much offensively. Whereas like yeah, this the Suns, like, uh, right, so I heard yeah. someone say I can't remember who it was that just Peter Tucker. You know, he's meant to guard forwards and stuff and. In this series, he just has no one to guard because he put on Devin Booker. He can't keep up. He can't keep up with Chris Paul. Yeah. Um. Like, you know, he's kind of wasted on Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder, and then he's not bringing you anything offensively. He's shooting thirty-eight percent from the field and thirty-one and a half percent from three in the playoffs. He, so he's not bringing anything offensively. He's a career forty percent three-point shooter in the playoffs over thirteen series, and but only this yeah. series he's only taken three threes. He's two for three. He's only taking three threes yeah, in two games. I, yeah, how's that possible? How's he only taking three threes? He doesn't have confidence? I don't know. 
Well, Grant, you just said something about Chris Paul kind of legacy stuff. Will, didn't you have something on Chris Paul that you wanted to ask us? Yeah, I, I actually think that Grant might have somewhat hinted at it um, early, coincidentally. But him winning a – I was thinking about winning a championship because the way that we measure players, unfortunately – Maybe not unfortunately, but just the way it is. You measure players' legacy is how successful they are in championships. Obviously, even though they're it's a team sport and championships are a team award, you do measure that into a player's legacy. So with Chris Paul, let's assume he wins. Um, it, I don't think it's super relevant how many games it takes him to win if he just if he wins this. Do, is he is he a top three point guard of all time? I think the case can very much be made that he already is, no matter if he wins. Um... I admit, in this podcast, we're very against the um, the ring the rings culture. Uh, we are not, we do not really participate in that. Yeah, uh, I know. So Bill Simmons has been doing like he always is updating his rankings, his all time rankings and stuff. And he had Chris Paul at like forty, and he said if he wins this championship, he'll move him into the top twenty. I was like, there's no way one championship can move a guy twenty spots up. Like if you already you already should have him that high. You should already should have him somewhere in the top. 30 at that least. means that championships are too big of a factor in determining right, absolutely like yeah. it, how does that this guy's entire body of work everything shows like even though he hasn't won like he is a winner he steps up his game in the playoffs all his stats are better um even though he gets a lot of blame for these losses the uh, these series losses really everything except the like what what year was it like 2016 or 17 against the rockets when he um, lost 3-1 yeah when he fell he he just had like a couple bad turnovers there at the end. Um, everything else, like he has had incredible series in the playoffs, and it's just kind of been bad luck. Whether whether it's his injuries or teammate injuries or injuries have, or his teammates having bad series, missing a ton of shots. Um, like the Rockets and the Clippers have both had series that ended that way. Um, so like he's just been a victim of bad luck. It, it's part of it you can blame on him also being you know six foot point guard or however tall he is, um, and that not really being. Uh, sustainable for a lot of success in the playoffs when it comes to just more physical basketball, um, but really, I mean, I, I I wouldn't even look to that. I, I think he's an incredible player. There's an argument whether he wins his championship or not for being a top three point guard. Um, I think this. I mean, this absolutely does boost his legacy. I just don't think we should put too much weight on the championship and not enough weight on um, you know the whole bulk of what he's done over his career. So here. It's before we really get into this, it's kind of why I got, I've, I've started to stay away from these type of talks, but it's just like, what, uh, like, how are we even defining this? I mean, it's clearly everyone in today's NBA is better than people were even 20 years ago. So like, are we just saying like per the, for their time, how much better they are than the average it's person? It's the only way to do it. It's, it's gotta be relative to your, to your era. That's the only way you can do it. Cause otherwise, yeah. I mean like, otherwise J.R. Smith is like at the top. 150 player of all time or something because yeah because when you do that then it's like bob Cousy might be the best player of all point guard of all time you know he was 12 time all nba yeah which is like the besties and then jerry even jerry west back in the day then oscar robertson would be ahead of chris well, Paul. jerry west i think most people would consider a shooting guard um okay i will right, well, people, would, people would have oscar ahead of chris paul for sure everyone i think everyone i think both you guys both already have magic and steph ahead of chris paul is that your top two yeah. in some order yep yeah, and then I, I think Isaiah Thomas is kind of a big one. O- Oscar, I don't think, gets as much credit, especially because just the pace of his era, like the stats he put up, like a lot of people could have put up those stats um, in that era. And then Bob Cousy, it was just not a lot of teams back then, so like there wasn't really a lot of options for, for all NBA um, in general. So like those guys are obviously very I, good players, but but I, probably would put them below. I actually think that the smaller amount of teams is more impressive to have any accolades because every team was a super team. So if you're winning championships, like you're really – an incredible team if there's only i don't necessarily think having less teams means that each one of those teams is like more stacked i just yeah. think there was uh, not as much there, there wasn't much many... there just wasn't much talent i like, know oh, no, no talent wise yeah the, 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 the game the game today is t- way more talent like if the NBA, i'm just saying like if the nba had eight teams today those teams would be incredible well, yeah but like if, like the thing the difference with that is that like there were like back then the top five players were were leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the league right like there's guys who were just freaks and are way ahead of the rest of the league. Like it's kind of how the WNBA has been in the past, where the best players, because it's the, the women's game, it, it hasn't developed as, um, or didn't have as much time to develop, and is now developing much more rapid pace now. 
um, but like the top players were always you know, the top players from high school would be the top players in college and then would be the top players in the pros like the best players were just kind of ahead of their peers um, yeah. that's how the NBA was back there now it's like a lot much more even playing field we're obviously the best players are the best players but you know the second tier players is much closer so um, when you are the best player in the, in the 50s like you are very much clearly the best player like it's not like every team is just loaded with these top players yeah um, I was, I'm just going to keep throwing names out here just for the sake of this conversation uh, Steve Nash, I think, led the league nine years in a row in offensive rating. This is playing on two different teams. It wasn't just the Suns. It was also the Mavs. And mm-hmm. uh, So that's a guy who was, I guess, what, the best offensive player in basketball then for nine straight years? Yeah. I don't think he was – I'm not going to lie. He played at the same time Kobe was in the middle of his dominance. So I don't want to call him the best offensive player. He played in the whatever, like the seven seconds or less D'Antoni system in Phoenix where literally it was – have the ball in Steve Nash's hands and create something really quickly or, or shoot. Uh-huh. Um, so I I definitely think that offense... I can't, I can't tell if that's a knock or a plus for him. I, I don't know which way you went with that. I think that that stat is <clears throat> slightly obscuring or over-exaggerating the effect that Steve Nash had. Because, I mean, like, he like he lost to... I mean, he, he beat Kobe in 2006. And then 2007... It, he's very. He he's actually traded? very similar in the Chris Paul type debate of like guys who have incredible careers, great players, usually probably the best or second best player in the court at all times, but tough playoff luck. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I, I he's. I also don't. Those MVPs are, are weird. I mean, Shaq literally dominated the, the second MVP when Shaq was in uh, Miami. He literally yeah. dominated. I don't know about that. Those MVPs feel a little bit like Giannis's MVPs to me. Where it's like kind of in, in retrospect, where like did he really deserve like Steve Nash was obviously excellent, but like should he have gotten both of those MVPs? It's like we're gonna look back twenty years from now from Giannis and be like, did he really need like back to back MVPs? Like obviously he put up incredible seasons, but like was he the best player? And, and does this really make sense considering how like his stature in, in the whole uh, NBA? All right. Well, and another person I think, Greg, you mentioned the name of, of Isaiah Thomas, where. Uh, Chris Paul hasn't done anything playoffs-wise. And this isn't even just about winning a title, but just, like, a performance of, like, you at your peak, what you can do. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has, what, like, a Mount Rushmore-type playoff performance than when he was playing hobbled. And I don't know, I don't forget how many points he scored, but the NBA Finals just went off. So uh, just talking about, like, at your peak, what's the most you could provide. Uh, Chris Paul hasn't, done, hasn't had an Isaiah game because almost nobody's had an Isaiah game. I definitely think he would be the first in line to take that spot if you were to debate because, I mean, he's won multiple rings. He's definitely had some really signature playoff performances. I uh, I don't know. I think at that point it's a matter of preference because I'm not going to value two rings over one when uh, if Chris Paul was playing with a team as complete as, like, the, the bad boy Pistons were, if he was playing with that type of team earlier in his career, I mean, he played with the Rockets. And they had zero big men, and they literally took the Warriors to Game they had, Seven. No, they had Capella. That was, they had uh, the that Rockets team had Capella, and Capella was good. Okay, true. They had Capella. Yeah. Uh, they they didn't have. They felt like they were playing a gimmicky type of basketball that wasn't conducive to winning, and they still made it to the Western Conference Finals to Game Seven and missed twenty seven threes. And so, yeah. like that, that is such so unlucky. I, he I was just hurt. I yeah, and he hurt his hamstring. So I mean I, I I definitely think Isaiah Thomas is somebody that you can put in that argument. I'm not gonna lie, I don't I don't watch Isaiah Thomas highlights. I'm not somebody who's super keen on his career. So I wouldn't be the one to put him up there. I'd be the one to put CP3 up there because I've watched him my entire life. But yeah, I definitely think he has probably the second right to the throne of of three and, on all time point guards. And then and then the other two guys who are just kind of like in the realm of the conversation are uh, like whose stats per game aren't crazy but just the way people talk about him Jason Kidd when people say that he was just the yeah. best defensive guard in basketball for however many years and uh, floor general great rebounder all that stuff and then uh, who was the other one I had another one here was it Gary Payton it was not Gary Payton oh Stockton like we haven't talked about John Stockton, Stockton. Oh, we even mentioned oh. Stockton yeah. who, who I think even in, who in today's game would he be even better than he was back then because he was such a good shooter and it, it just was a day and age when point guards weren't supposed to shoot a bunch of threes yeah yeah he's kind of the the old version of, of Steve Nash who just kind of 
could have been much more aggressive and put up bigger stats if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, which I think Isaiah Thomas probably could have done that too. Like there was just so there there are stats like during that whole eighties ninety era. There's definitely the stats are kind of suppressed a little bit because point guards were just supposed to run the team and then and set up other people. Yeah. Um, you really have to go off of just like how other players talked about these guys. Yeah, I mean, I I think all of us agree that Chris Paul belongs. So I mean, like it's it's a deep field. Like that's like you named all those people. That's a deep field, um, but he del- belongs pretty high um, up there. And I mean, this championship will absolutely boost his legacy a little bit. Um, but it, it just it shouldn't completely overshadow what he's done the rest of his career. Like he doesn't he doesn't need this championship to be ranked ranked among the elite point guards, right? I agree with that. And I also think that looking forward. Optimist, I guess not optimistically because I'm not a Suns fan, um, but this is the this is the start of a team that can really compete for I mean three five years. Like DeAndre is going to get a max this summer. He's going to be on the team for five more years. Booker I think started the first year of his max either this year or last year. So I mean he's there for at least three four more years. This is a team that I think is going to be. I mean, I, I think they're better than the Clippers fully healthy next are there, year. Are their contracts set up where they have a couple more years of contention? Like, are there all their role players? I don't players? know about their role players. Yeah, that's the problem. I know Jay is on a three-year deal that he signed this year, so he'll be here for two more years. Mikhail Bridges is still on his rookie deal for maybe two more years. Um, besides that, I don't know how, how everyone else. The campaign is, mm-hmm. is not... He's on a minimum deal, but he will probably be back with the team. See what Cam Johnson is. Such a good opportunity. Cam Johnson is shooting some ridiculous percentage in the playoffs. He is so good. He's a extension, so he'll be good. Okay. Um, So I think it's Chris Paul and Campaign are the two that are free agents. And Chris Paul is going to be back. (laughs) Chris Paul will be back for sure. It it must just be awful for for Sixers fans watching these finals and Mikhail Bridges score, what, 27 last game or something? <laughs> Who did they trade him for? Just, Who was Zaire Smith? It was Z- Zaire Smith and a pick. Zaire Smith. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it was still too. Like, yeah, the local kid whose mom worked for, went, went to Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia I remember they did that. They the did the, yeah, they literally did like a whole draft story and like they had like a little segment after he got drafted and they're like, actually, wait, he got traded to the Suns, so we're going to take that hat from you yeah. and everything <laughs> you just said. Never mind. <laughs> It's just a, a it's player just, the, that the Sixers need so badly to. Yeah, that's yeah, the 3D, like a 3D like wing. It then. Yeah. I, I would love it even more now. It just made so much sense. I just don't know why they did that. All right, so we've basically talked entirely about the Suns now. Let's move on to the other team in the finals, down 0-2 now, the Bucks. What I wanted to bring up um, is, I, I mean, I've, I've been a bit of a Giannis hater over the years. Not that he's not very good. Um, I just haven't. I've just thought he'd been very schemable against the playoffs. He's obviously brought his team to the playoffs or to the finals this year um, and was incredible in game two. That loss was not his fault. Um, and, and I can only assume that he has a torn ACL and we're, it's, not, it's not being revealed to us and he's just playing through it because the way his knee moved, there's no way his ligaments held up. Um, so an absolutely incredible performance from Giannis there. But they are down 0-2. They won their last series against the Hawks with Giannis out of the series. They and Giannis does not miss a lot of games, but they are building a little bit of a reputation, a little bit of a history here for winning some games when Giannis is out. And then when he's playing, he, I mean, he's obviously their best player, but when he does play, they haven't really gotten anywhere until, I mean, now obviously they're in the finals, but they are down 0-2. Um, so including this past series, they also, if you go back to um, – the Heat last year when they were down 3-0 um, and they won their only game of the series when Giannis played like 11 minutes and got injured. And then they, they came back and the, the, you know, Middleton uh, led them led to a win there. Um, so the Ewing theory, I'm not if you're all, sure if you all have heard of it, started when Patrick Ewing in the, in the 90s went out um, and then the Knicks, I think, made, it the fi- made, a, made a run to the finals. So it's just that a team that is built around one superstar um, – when that superstar is out, they can actually perform better. Is Giannis having the ball all the time? And I think, we, I think about, we need to give a source to a Bill Simmons shout out for creating. Yeah, this Bill Simmons. This, yeah. this it was actually one of Bill Simmons' fans who emailed him oh, really? this years oh, okay. years ago. So like, let's give a shout out to that fan. So, well, you mentioned earlier about how you know Giannis being a big man um, and 
having the ball all the time, but as a big man, um, isn't really conducive to this team, you know, winning these tight games down the stretch. And I think, I think you're totally hit, hitting the uh, nail on the head there. I think Giannis being the focus of your offense and putting the ball in his hands all the time is kind of marginalizing Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday a little bit when they are better as players with the ball in their hands than Giannis really is. If Giannis could be everything he is, but be more and more of like a DeAndre Aiden type of role um, where he is getting more of his buckets assisted and you're not just putting the ball in his hands and waiting for him to create, um, then I think you'd be kind of empowering the skill sets of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton better. Um, and I think also bringing the best out of Giannis while taking away some of the bad stuff he does, which is, you know, gets the free throw line a ton, which is which is good, but he doesn't shoot well from the free throw line, and then shoots some bad threes. Those are kind of the two um, quirks in this game. All that is a long way of saying is is the Bucks winning without Giannis in just a few games, the few games he's been out. Is that a sign that maybe they need to start shifting towards that more of, of the ball being in the, in the guard's hands? And Giannis being playing more of that big man role. I mean, this is something we've talked about for years. Um, but, like, is this something that they need to adjust going forward in this series in order to have a chance? What do y'all think? Um, I 100% agree with you. And, yes, I think they need to adjust that. First off, I would like to say that I don't have faith in Bud to make that adjustment because that man does not make a lot of adjustments. He did make an adjustment on stop playing, on not playing drop coverage as much and letting guards just come off the screen like Devin Booker, just get wide open shots. But, uh, I, yeah, I think that Giannis's some of his shortcomings come from the fact that he's not like an all-world playmaker with the ball in his hands, and he's not super skilled and can get his own shot. And so when you have him have the ball in his hands, you're kind of using him in a way that, like you said, is marginalizing his skill set. And in that same breath, you're also putting two guys, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, who honestly operate way better as focal points with the ball in their hands, or it's so tough for them to stay aggressive. They're just not those types of players off ball. Uh, so you, I think that if you were to try to run your offense through, I mean, you can run your offense through both. You could have Chris and Drew Holiday constantly running high screener rolls with Giannis. Right. And that way you can still have him involved in the offense, but he's not the, the main playmaker of the offense. I think you could literally maximize both of their skill sets better. Yeah. So I... I a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, I don't think it will happen at all. I don't yeah. think Bud is 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 willing to throw their game plan, shift it that much. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think Drew Holiday and uh, Chris Middleton are two players who they when they're like fully aggressive, I think they're at their best, regardless of if they're hitting shots or not. And especially for Drew Holiday, when he is not the primary ball handler and decision maker, and it's Giannis. I just see him a lot of times just kind of start standing and watching and not as much being involved in offensively in the play. And so, yeah, I think that it's tough when you have a big man who is not is not really a playmaker like that or, or a skilled scorer. I mean, he's a scorer, but not a shooter. Um, and when you get like late time and crunch, and crunch time situations at the end of the game where it's literally bucket for bucket – and it's a set still standing defense that you literally have to run a set on to try and create an advantage. Giannis is not the best player for that role. Yeah, he's still incredibly important. You can't. We're not saying that they're better like without him. Like they're such a better team with Giannis. We know that. It's just how they. It's how they use him. And I'm not gonna lie. It's a product of thinking that you need the the ball in your best player's hands at all times. Yeah. Because exactly. he's your best player. Right. I jump in before you let you go, Connor. Um, you talk about that high screen and roll um, with Giannis setting the screens. And to be fair, the, the Bucks have upped that volume as this year has gone on. Like Zach Lowe's talked about that, that a lot during, you know, about middle of the year they started to really put Giannis in a lot more um, screen rolls as the screener. But the thing that, you know, him bringing the ball up does is just like him going against a set defense, him going against the main guy who's guarding him, right? The, 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 guy, the primary defender on him. You put in those screen rolls, what that does and what a lot of teams do with their big man um, and what their, you know, their whole goal is with their big man is to kind of get mismatches, right? Um, so if you have him screening for a guard, you're trying to get a guard switch on him. Have him set a hard screen, trying to get a guard switch on him. Get him in a place, you can get him the ball in a place where he's you know 20 feet, 15 or 20 feet in the basket instead of 25 feet in the basket trying to make a play. Um, and you can get him and get some better matchup. So I think when you think of, like you said, when you think of Giannis as like your primary creator just because he's your best player, 
um, you are pigeonholing him into being that guy who's just a creator from the, the you know from twenty five feet out against whatever defend defenders against him. Whereas if you're thinking of it as against a big man, then what you're trying to do is get him mismatches in a good spot on the floor and just have him attack that. So I think that shift in focus um, could absolutely unlock Giannis as a player and just this whole Bucks team. And I don't know, they, they've adjusted that towards that somewhat, but um, they need to make it a, a bigger focus, focal point going forward in order to, I think, win the series. All right. And I'm going to say this is a lot of talk about Giannis when uh, what is, yeah. I think it just comes down to the fact that the Bucks haven't hit shots. And or nor or they just haven't attempted them. So Drew Holiday actually was aggressive last game. I thought offensively he just didn't hit anything. Yeah. So I I mean he played well. This didn't fall, but Drew Holiday is shooting fourteen percent from three right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean that just has to improve. So. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, so that has to get better. And then Chris Milton hasn't taken a free throw, which is pretty amazing. Uh, right. And so if you could get if he could get to the line like, you know five six attempts per game. That's a, I mean that that in itself should make these games much better even just if he just gets to the line. Yeah. So I don't know if he's just not getting calls or if he's not being aggressive or whatever. But I mean there are minutes when Giannis is not on the court and those guys still haven't produced yet. So I I just think that if if they play if they start hitting shots or getting to the line like they should be, right. then the Bucks have this series. And I think that's or totally fair. Series, at least I think it's a hundred percent fair. But I also think part of the reason for that is because they are being marginalized by by just putting the ball in Giannis' hands and being asked to be more role players than maybe they should be. Um, but how, and like, but I, sorry, I mean, yeah. I get what you're saying, but still, it's like, okay, Giannis had the ball in his hands, and he gets it out, and Drew Holiday has an open look from three. Yeah, no, they, they, have, they have to hit shots. Like, <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with look. that hit shots, but like, I agree with that hit shots, but when these guys are like, should be primary creators, and they're um, pushed into a, a smaller role... Um, and they just kind of like take what they can get. They take what they're given a little bit and, and aren't like creating what they want for themselves. Um, then like it's, it's a, they're, they're not going to play as well as they could. So I think you're, you're just by putting the ball in Giannis' hands, you have diminishing returns from those guys. So like, whereas if you were trying to maximize all the pieces and, and get the most out of everything you've got and make it more than some of its parts, then I think putting the ball more in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday's hands, then they would be shooting better because they would be more in that aggressive mindset and lead creator mindset. Now that's that's hypothetical, and they do like it doesn't like you know explain them not hitting open shots, but I think that partially um, is a reason why they have not been as good and why um, the Bucks have not been as good. Yeah, I I get your point, Connor. I they have not hit shots, especially Drew Holiday has been. He he's just does not have the touch from the outside right now. I not, I'm trying to think back to when he made the playoffs with, uh, early in his career, and if he was as good of a shooter. Because I don't know if he's ever been necessarily like a good spot up three point shooter. And so on Grant's point, he shot the same he shot way 38% that percent from the during the regular season this year. That's not bad. I'm not gonna lie. Regular season is I, I it tough because the, you don't get the open shots you get in the playoffs that you would get in the regular season. Right. He also, yeah. but he is missing wide open shots. So yeah. I'm getting, I yeah. get your point. Um, well, he's a, well, this he's makes a me think. Player with me. His his struggles make me think. Were we too hard on Eric Bledsoe? Maybe. What what if it's just the the situation that that makes these guys struggle what? in the playoffs? What Giannis is getting them too open. It's giving them too much time to think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He is, yeah, he is. I'm not gonna. He is lifetimes better than Eric Bledsoe. So I definitely will give him that. Uh, uh, Chris Middleton, you talked about him not having free throws. We all watched the the first two games, and while he definitely the Bucks not not a, not hitting free throws, not attempting any. He no, hit. yeah, not I'm not have not sorry, not attempting free throws. We all watched the game, and I'm not gonna like Chris Middleton's game is a finesse game. Like he's not a guy who attacks the rim to finish. He shoots a lot of mid-range jump shots. He gets yep. on like smaller guards in the mid-post, or he'll shoot spot up threes or come off screens. But he's not—he doesn't attack like Drew Holiday attacks, and he'll he'll be aggressive to the rim, get to line. I don't know if Chris Middleton's game involves like getting to the foul line a lot. So I think he relies a lot on his jumpers, which is why a lot of times I think it's his home stats are drastically better than his away stats. Like I think he shoot he averages probably like close to 25 at home in a way. I don't even know if he averages 20 points a game. 
So I think that he's that's kind of just how his game operates. And to bring it back, even though we talked about Giannis a ton, to bring it back to the point about having the ball in Giannis's hands, if you were to allow Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to start the offense and, and be the catalyst, maybe they could be more aggressive um, in certain ways where when they're off ball, they kind of just take opportunities as they're given to them and not necessarily what the best opportunity is, just what's presented to them. Um, so I, 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 it's it's two ways. Drew Holiday's got to be better. Chris Middleton's got to be better. I think they both will be better at home. Uh, but So he's been averaging I, about five per game before this series season. started for the for the playoffs. And the whole playoffs? Okay. Yeah. That's I, not a lot. Well, we, I mean, it's better, better than nothing, though. We've had a uh, True. we've had a love love affair with Chris Middleton on this podcast. Like we we've always been singing his praises um, and saying he's one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, and all the stats, like in the regular season, you know, every year basically point to him being really good and point to him being better than Devin Booker. Um, but just watching the series, like Devin Booker is just better than Chris Middleton. He's just like definitely like. When they take shots in similar spots, and I just feel much more confident that Devin Booker's going to yeah. rise up and hit that shot than, than Chris Middleton is. Yeah. Um, so it's. I mean, but I, I mean, honestly, the shot making of Booker, yesterday he shot well, but he has not shot that well this playoffs. It's just the fact that he gets yeah. to the line so often. He's such a good free throw shooter that makes him yeah. a good, like. And he uh, hits, he's, he's hit him pretty t- in timely, timely yeah. spots, too. Like, so it, it feels like he's shooting better than he is. So. Just, man, Chris. True, please, for God's sake. Or even Bryn yeah, Forbes missing shots. Make this a series. Bryn, if you're if you're in the game, you can't afford to miss a shot. You, yeah. You're giving nothing us giving nothing on the other side of the ball. All right, that's mean. I mean like, let's cut that out. It's too mean. <laughs> <laughs> um Pat Connaughton was also getting a lot of undue hate for missing that shot there at the end. When he had hit the first one, he hit the one right before it. And Pat Connaughton has been playing like a really good role, just like rebounding, playing hard defense. Um, hitting yeah. shots when he when he's given the opportunity. So let's 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 stop the pack on and hate. Um, he's been thrust into a, a pretty difficult spot here with no Dante Divincenzo. Boy, um, they need him. So, they would. The Bucks could. They use would be him so really badly. good with Divincenzo. Yeah, yeah. They would be. That would be entirely change the series. You know, they, 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 they could not really use is a uh, Bogdanovich. What if they had Bogdanovich? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Have we ever uh-huh. figured out who was the one who leaked that? Do we know what side it was on? Was it a third party who just didn't want the trade to go through? I don't know what. I have no. I don't idea. know what came. Yeah, that's a good that. question. I do not Did know. It, what the Bucks got punished, right? Because it was before ten. Yeah, they got fined and the trade. Yeah, they they literally got double. They didn't get the trade and they got fined and they got the bad press, which actually <laughs> was like triple, triple bad. All right, let's move on to our uh, last topic here, Connor. Take it away, bud. Yeah, Will, I have a. Uh, I said this before the final started, and I gotta set up the premise of this before I fully ask it. Um, so I was thinking, like, what's the most what's the most important asset to the NBA Finals to the NBA, right? And this is just for the NBA Finals, not all year long, uh, for things they have. And so, I and my take is I think that the announcing trio of Mike Breen. Mark Jackson and Stan Van Gundy are the most important thing, are the most valuable asset for the NBA, for the NBA Finals. And here's my thinking, is that if you take out a star player or a star team early in the playoffs, people are still watching the NBA Finals, and it's like someone great is still going to be playing in it, even if it's not LeBron, some other great players going to be playing. If you take out that announcing trio and give us any other announcing duo, it is a much, just, I mean... A, uh, a very noticeably worse product they're putting out there. I mean, no, there's no other good announcing duo, really. I guess if you're comparing them, that okay. So I get your point, and if we're arguing like relative to their who's in their position that could take their place, like if you put a semi-similar so, product yeah, out on the so floor, like, player-wise. Like, so yeah. If you're already in the NBA Finals, and like let's say Giannis gets hurt, then obviously, like once you're already in the Finals, Giannis is the most important part for this playoffs because like he's so one-sided for his team's success. But just like early on, if a team is out, there's other good teams and great players who are going to make it, so who cares? Yeah, I definitely can buy that. I want to premise my agreement with you with the fact that nobody watches NBA games for announcers, hopefully. Hopefully they watch them for the players. So I don't I guess nah, some man. people could. That, that's that's <laughs> a little bit close-minded, but um, 
I agree with you because, yeah, I don't know who the second commentator would be. It would be like <laughs> Reggie Miller or Chris Webb or something. I don't know who the... I, I like Jim I Jackson as a commentator. He's good. Yeah. I ain't evil. <laughs> yeah. Isn't he a college guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a couple good announcers, but I definitely... I, I think the chemistry between... First off, the legendary the Mike Breen and his bang calls and the all those knocks it down, the... Those uh, he's like the the control, like the steady, like the glue of the group. That he's the play by play. He's gonna he's gonna make the exciting calls when the exciting plays happen. But yeah, the duo of Mark Jackson and uh, JVG are it's like banter, but it's and it feels natural, but it's never overshadowing what the game yeah. is, and it's always related to it. They're awesome. So I mean, most of the time. Um, so yeah, I definitely I'll buy that. But I would also hesitate to say, when you say most valuable asset, I, it's probably the hardest to replace, but it's also not... It, it, they're commentators. Like, at the end of the day, if yeah. I was watching the Northeast and Ohio State versus, like, some other trash team in the NBA Finals, I know that we have to do talk about it rel- in relative terms so that this wouldn't count but hypothetically if we oh, had yeah, two really yeah, trash yeah, teams in the finals hypothetical then. <laughs> I'll say hypothetically if we watch two trash teams in the finals like if I had to watch the Jazz without Donovan Mitchell so it's like Rudy Gobert is your centerpiece versus uh, what's a team in the east that's boring it doesn't matter but I wouldn't I wouldn't tune in just for commentators so I would I would push back on that just a little bit just because yeah at the end of the day, bro, they're they're no, commentators. No, so once again, if you give no wait, if any NBA, wait. if any two NBA teams make it to the finals, like they've made it, so they've been very good, and so I'm intrigued by whatever this matchup's gonna be. If you give me, I don't want to even say anyone's particular <laughs> name, but there's a lot of announcers. You start they're <laughs> announcing this game, I might have to turn the audio off. Like it's just, <laughs> but you're still watching. You just mute yeah, it. Yeah, but the the value of I'm gonna enjoy the product of the basketball no matter what. I'm not gonna enjoy the product of the of the production. Of it, no matter what. This is such a uh, this is such a personal take. This like, feels highly prefer- like yeah, <laughs> is, like no one else. Like I, I, this is come like so for me personally. Like I've never been someone who pays attention that much to the announcers. Like I I do think these guys are no, great. I, I put um, stock in it. But I, I I like I don't I can't like for tip for these guys I can recognize for for typical announcers I might not be able to like recognize who's calling this game or whatever. Um, so I'm I've never thought a lot about it. But yeah, like there's no like the. <laughs> You're talking about in ratings here, and there's no part of like the NBA viewership that you could find where it overlaps, where like they are watching the game for the announcers and would turn it off and like wouldn't keep watching, like that they know the announcers and they care about that, and that they would watch it anyways, um, and they would turn it off without them and wouldn't watch the basketball. Like there's no there's no overlap there between that and, and that segment. So. That these people don't exist. You're the only one. Um, so, no, it's not the most valuable. These I, guys are great, but no, it's not the most valuable. I've asked, like, ten people this so far. No one's been on my side yet. Will I tried Kyle to, like, teeter the line. Yeah, yeah. Will like, gave me some credit. I can get it from your perspective, but that's why I, I posed the hypothetical that it's, like, at the end of the day, I, I think that you come to basketball, you, you go to or you watch a basketball game for the players. Yeah, but in the NBA Finals, it doesn't matter, right? Because if you come for the basketball, you're going to watch the basketball no matter what, no matter whose team is in it. Why can't you apply that to the commentators? Because the commentators... Say, no, 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 it's not the same. Not the same. <laughs> because here's the difference. If you, make, <laughs> if you make the NBA Finals, then you were the best of who's left, right? So, but if you switch out these commentators, they are not. Like, I didn't put anyone else in. They are not the best of who's who's there. If people, if people care enough about basketball to know who is commentating, then they will not be turning off the game just because of the commentators. Well, no matter what, you're not turning that's, off the that's, game. That's, you're, that's you're, the fundamental. That's the fundamental issue. You're, you're, the value you're getting out of this viewing experience is. Okay, that's but that's viewer value. That's not value to the NBA because they right, still get the value. ratings. I want viewer value then. You okay, on my fine. side then? Fine. That 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 maybe I can be sold on, but definitely. I not think that NBA if we, value. I think that you could also argue most valuable asset this year is being able to play in arenas with fans with max capacity because watching a game and like just a dead area with a bunch of paneled screens on all sides last 100%. year in the bubble was. 
it just it just didn't the energy wasn't wasn't the same. Will. So I literally think that just the opportunity to be able to play in front of giant crowds, even for 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 people watching on TV. I mean, you literally get more excited when you can hear the. I yeah. mean, Phoenix was literally roaring. Well, you're hitting on every. Shot. This is exactly what I said when Connor brought this up to me the first time. Was that the fans are the most Let's valuable go. asset right now? Um, yeah, Phoenix. Oh, has yeah. Been cra- they've been going. They've been going crazy. Like, they're, oh, all, yeah. they're all on Molly. Well, or yeah. Something. What a what a shocker that a couple <laughs> that of one, NBA dude. fans say that the most valuable asset is themselves. <laughs> no, not us. The people at the games are the most valuable assets because it it does like this is completely different. Like it's been boring watching no fans. Like the energy is completely different, um, and like especially just oh, like the immediate thing that we got to see was Madison Square Garden just rocking for the first time in the playoffs for years. Um, that was just, like, a pretty incredible experience. Um, and Phoenix has been crazy. Um, I, I don't like to give Phoenix and Arizona a lot of credit, um, but th- this crowd has been crazy. Yeah, it's definitely not the announcers, not the most valuable. Viewer value, we can talk about that. Um, but as far as NBA value and ratings, that, that's that's not a thing. You're the, you're the only one, Connor. But, yeah, you, I mean, you, die, you die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, not to diminish from from – and another important part of your point, which is that this trio is, like, the best, like, uh, in, I would watch, I don't want to say I wouldn't watch if there were other announcers, but, because that's absolutely not true, but I would definitely roll my eyes 15 more times with, like, I don't want to call, like like you said, I don't want to call out names. This is no, I, I, want, I want you to tell, who, who for both of you, who would well, you like, specifically turn it off because no, they're they are announcing? There are a couple of Chris people mine. Yeah, I mean, that's. You're both saying Chris Webber, okay. Chris Webber, uh, Reg, Reggie Miller's fine, but he can get very corny um, pretty quickly. Uh, I definitely like that trio. I definitely like how it's honestly it's because of uh, it's because of Jeff. Jeff Van Gundy is a guy who, when I see a, a call where I'm like, bro, like you, like the call, the little Trey Young calls where uh, he'll drive around a screen and just stop yeah. and, and get somebody to run him in t- into his back, or the calls where it's like. I drive down the lane, I kick it out to a wide open shooter, the camera pans to the shooter, and then all of a sudden it pans back, and someone was standing there taking a charge on a guy who doesn't have the ball on a non-consequential play. Yeah. And they called an offensive foul. Like, certain calls that are just like, bro, why are these it's, in the game? It, like, why? That's, He'll that's call the, that that's out. That's the key to really true good announcing is is having someone being willing to say that something about the product is is wrong. And that, like, we're doing stuff wrong. Let's We gotta fix this. Yeah. That's, that's kinda, he's like the, uh, he's, he's like the grumpy Bill Walton. Like he will say what say whatever is on his mind, but like say it in a really grumpy way. Like, uh, <laughs> um, he tra- but for he ratings, drop, didn't he drop a Jay Z quote last game out of nowhere? I think he, he did. did. That was he wild. Did. Yeah. yeah. Um, go harder. What do you say? Like go harder, go farther, or something. I don't. Yeah. Even know. He like literally that. said it with a rhythm too. I was like, <laughs> man. As far as uh, as far as ratings, isn't Rachel Nichols the most valuable asset to these times? <laughs> Aren't people turning it on more because of that? She's definitely, she's definitely uh, been the most. I don't know how to define it, but like, created the most clicks in terms of people researching yeah, on Rachel Nichols for sure. <laughs> like, so she went to a, a rival high school of mine, like that I many really? clearly way back in the day, not not my year. Uh, but she, like the high school that she went to, is just like a hated high school. So I mean, Rachel Nichols might actually be a great person. I don't know anything about her, but I just gotta <laughs> yeah. say, as a high school. Uh, screw Churchill. Why was that? Why why was a high school hated? As well, the, a, I don't know the why, area like is Potomac, Maryland, education. which is like just a super wealthy, snobby area. Okay. And not from Bethesda, right, so, which is also a super wealthy, snobby area, but Potomac <laughs> is, is an even more extreme version of it. <laughs> God, people from the DMV being snobby about not being as snobby as other people. That's <laughs> Uh, Will, so at the end of the episode, we always, well, no, okay, we don't always do our bets. When we remember to do our bets, we do our bets. We remember today, so, um, barely, barely. Yeah, barely. Uh, so maybe what, it's the, it's the bets, it's the alcohol from the bets that's causing us memory loss. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, a self actualizing, actualizing cycle here. Which so. I didn't, I didn't even do anything today. I don't remember, I didn't remember to even think yeah, about Yeah, we're just gonna have today. to add, add it on to um, next time. But Will, so either I guess you'll do it the next time you're on the show or you'll send us a video. Of this because if you do lose you do have to drink so uh first place doesn't drink at all second place has to drink two drinks and third place has to drink four drinks um in these bets so we have five bet picks here um since the suns are already up 2-0 we only know for a fact there's two more games 
So first bet is game three, Bucks Suns. I'm going Bucks. Yeah, I'm going Bucks as well. I that feels like a cop out answer because it's two zero, and if they go down three zero, it's yeah. We we can bring out the the brooms. It's going to be a sweep yeah. if they go down three zero. So yeah, I'm gonna pick Bucks. I'm all, I'm also gonna go Bucks. That's boring, but I'm gonna go right. Bucks as well. All right, game four, I'm going Bucks. I'm gonna go Suns. This one's go way Suns. tougher. Um, I will go. I'll go Bucks as well. Okay. All right. So uh, our next one, our our next one, our next two are prop bets here. So our first prop bet is for the rest of the series, who has more total assists, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, or Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Mm-hmm. Uh, Will, okay. you want to start this one off? That's an incredible bet. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna just for the sake of just picking one because I really don't know. I'm gonna pick Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Okay. Drew Holiday is sneaky good with assists. Can get He's you averaging like eight and a half assists this, this playoffs. Yeah. yeah, a lot. I don't know about Devin Booker too. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Suns, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. All right, I'm going Bucks. I'm going uh, Drew and Chris. Uh, the other one is who has more total rebounds the rest of the series, Giannis or Aiden? Grant, start this one off. Ooh, um, Giannis. Yeah, I'm gonna go Giannis too. I wanted to say Aiden, but Giannis is just—he's more. I think. He's we do another, I was gonna say Giannis as well. So should we do another pick? I don't want to do one we're all agree on. Uh, um, I'll switch it to Aiden. I don't want that. All right, there we go. That's tough. I'll go with Giannis. <laughs> and then finally, uh, just who you got in the series, and I guess how many games. So who you got? In how many games? Whoever's closest wins. I'm gonna say so. Oh, go ahead. Do you want to go, Grant? For sure. I uh, know you go ahead. I was gonna say I'll go Suns in. I'll go Suns in five. Ooh, um, I'm gonna go Suns in six. I'm going Bucks in seven. I'm going Bucks for every pick. Yeah. You're getting last, buddy. Wow. You're. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact me and Grant are not getting last. No, yeah. I mean I, I, I can usually get first. You can here. only get you can only get first or last. I'm possibly get second. <laughs> I mean, I just I wanted it to happen so badly. I love Giannis. I think he's such a great story and uh, and and stuff. So I'm going bucks for everything. All right. Well, that's our episode. Will, thanks for coming on. Grant, you have any closing thoughts here? No, I appreciate it, Will. Um, we're always happy to have you um, back on the pod anytime. So um, look forward to talking to you in the future on this on the up and under. But um, for Connor. And Grant Heckinger and Will McIntyre and the absent France and Carlotta. This has been the Up and Under. Uh, we will see you next time. Please go like, share, subscribe, do whatever you want. Um, just beat it up. Um, and see y'all later.